0: It is hot. We are in the hottest corner of this building, We're I in think. in the hottest corner of Seattle. Yeah, right? I don't know what happened, but here we are. Uh, okay. We're here for real, for real. Are we ready to go? What's up, people? Rock and roll, let's go. This is, my name is Chibi. My name's Rusey. And this is After Two Tequila Shots, the podcast where we talk about current events after taking two tequila shots. It is unfiltered, unpredictable, uncensored, but always distilled. Let's get into this, people.
1: Uh, First and foremost, thank you for joining us in this little unique situation because we are not at our normal podcast location headquarters. We're actually in the great state of Washington in the wonderful city of
0: Seattle. That's right. So we uh, apologize, one, if the audio is not up to your standards, the standards that we have set with four episodes thus far. This is our, our fifth episode. That's good. That's a milestone. This is also our first episode on the go. Uh, like Rooster said, we are uh, in Seattle at the moment.
1: We are drinking two ninety nine Walgreens bought Jose Cuervo Especial room temperature. <laughs> oh,
0: uh, yeah. yeah. Rooster's living his best life and finally drinking room temperature tequila.
1: It takes me back to 2003.
0: Uh-huh. Like,
1: yeah, definitely uh, a time when it was like tequila. Because, I mean, tequila's grown a lot. Mm-hmm. And specifically in the last, like, 15 to 20 years. But, like, yeah, I remember it was usually just, like, Jose Cuervo or Bust. <laughs>
0: like, but you know, not not just any Jose Cuervo. Jose Cuervo Especial. Yeah. unless you
1: knew, like, people from Mexico who could get you, who knew the good shit, uh-huh. who knew about mezcals, who knew about everything else. Um, then you were just drinking Jose Cuervo, like, you know, at 17 years
0: old. Yeah, Jose Cuervo Especial is designed for margaritas and will give you a hangover. Totally. So, uh, we'll see what tomorrow feels like on the plane back home. Yeah. Gang, gang! So, uh, let's get into this. My name is Chibi. I'm a poet, producer, pu- publisher, performer, and community organizer. And, uh, I walked out of more panels than I sat through this week. Really? hmm So,
1: before I introduce myself, I want to touch on that first. Why, why was that? Or like, because you came in with a whole spreadsheet.
0: Yes. And you were
1: very eager to hit,
0: see everything. So we are at AWP, it's the Association of Writers and Writing Programs Conference. If you don't know, we're writers. And so it is the largest writing conference in the nation, and there are hundreds of panels and speakers and readings to go to. And I think part of it is because the event descriptions are so abstract, I I feel like they are purposely broad. I mean, they're literally
1: called abstract. (laughs)
0: Yeah. (laughs) In order to attract as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And so then as an organizer of said panels, I don't think you should be offended if somebody walks out. If they sit through your panel and five minutes in, they realize, oh, this is not for me. Sure and they just leave.
1: Well, you go to like a, 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 a conference or panel about agents, for instance, mm-hmm. and then you find out that they're mostly fiction writers or creative nonfiction exactly.
0: writers. Exactly. And you're like, this doesn't pertain to me. Deuces. Yeah, no. I don't. I didn't feel disillusioned by anything that I attended. I just felt like this content was not designed with me in mind, and uh, I'm going to go check out something else and see how that goes.
1: Next year at Kansas City, we're going to do a panel. You going? Yeah. All right, (laughs) my name is Richard Martinez. I'm a poet, I'm an author, I'm in Seattle, and I will tell you what, I have walked a lot of hills. (laughs) Uh, The hills of Seattle, they need to write songs about it. They need to put it in the literature
0: uh, for trap for tourists and travel. We were not prepared for these hills. I had no idea. I you know if I'm going to San Francisco, I know hills are going to be a thing.
1: You're, and you're just mentally aware. You're like, great, cool. The trolley can take me up some hills. Uh huh. Things like that. No, I had no idea that Seattle was so hill dense.
0: Yes, I have muscles in my shins that I did not know existed mm-hmm. until until I came upon these hills. Yeah,
1: yeah. But, uh, you were cramping the other day
0: hardcore for like a whole day so uh, that officially leads us into the current events of the season let's talk about what's been going on this week so as we said we're in Seattle we're at the Association of Writers and Writing Programs conference Uh, we've been here since Wednesday night Uh, Rooster talk about your experience thus far most of my experience has
1: been away from the conference because this is my third or fourth time coming to AWP. I appreciate AWP a lot, and I like going to the book fair. I like seeing publishers, I like listening to writers. I think, and I have been talking to a few people about this, it can be very overwhelming. Mm -hmm. And even with a strict schedule, even with a sort of understanding of what you will do and won't do, it just becomes a tremendous wave of people, of ideas, of walking, of sitting, of I'm hungry, where do I go find
0: food? Of hills. Google maps. Escalators. Ubers. <laughs> and it gets to this point where
1: I, I whenever I travel and you know this me because we've traveled a bunch, that like to not sully my experience of it, I just leave. I just go do other stuff. So I have mm-hmm. seen two movies of varying degrees of quality. One that I would say <laughs> No, let's bad. talk about it. Well, talk let's about, about it. Sixty five. Sixty five was pure dinosaur shit. Uh, I was hopeful the, the, the premise of it made me think it would be interesting. Like spaceman from the future lands on a planet, turns out it's Earth sixty-five million years ago, there's dinosaurs and he's gotta blow away because they're gonna eat him. Mm-hmm. I was like, Okay, that seems simple enough. Let's let's check that out. Uh, oh no an abomination of a dinosaur movie, an abomination of an Adam Driver movie. It was really
0: bad. An um, abomination of Adam Driver and his big hands. Yeah, he should,
1: you could have gotten more traction if he was just choking dinosaurs <laughs> with his knee hooks. Um, but, and then I saw the new screen movie in 40X, which was also very interesting. Uh, I may or may not have partook in some of your, your wonderful spouse's uh,
0: herbs. Uh, yes, fully legal. Uh, in Seattle. In Seattle. Herbs. That
1: took it to a whole
0: another level. Especially in 4D. Oh yeah.
1: So, so I don't want to give that away because you plan on seeing it. We're going to
0: see it but talk about the 4D experience though. So you're in like seats that move and like there's water being splashed in your face and air. It all
1: goes towards the whole experience so like when someone's getting stabbed all of a sudden you're getting like you're feeling little punches in the back of your back. Oh. But like it, you know what was crazy though because <laughs> of all the walking it really felt like a <laughs> So I was there for it even just on that account.
0: So okay. I was like, this is awesome. Uh, yeah, totally recommend. All right, yeah, cool. 40X. So would you talk about reminds me, so uh, I've been talking to a lot of people here uh, because my experience has been the complete opposite. I have been like conference centric. Yes. Uh, and so I've been talking to a lot of people and I've met a lot of people that it's their first time. And uh, one woman that I was talking to felt very overwhelmed by this whole experience mm-hmm. and was asking for advice. And I told her, basically exactly what you just said, you have to give yourself permission to walk away. Yeah. You do not have to engage 24-7 just because you paid to be here, right. you know? Feel free to say no, walk out, find a quiet corner, go to a bar, a coffee shop, leave entirely. Mm-hmm. Touch grass, people. Yeah,
1: exactly. Touch I grass. Find something local that you like, and I mean, in a city like Seattle, there's so many different things to see. I mean, I found half... I got to give
0: a shout out to Half and
1: Half Donuts. Okay. Amazing coffee. Mm -hmm. Amazing donuts. Like,
0: changed my life. I got to give a shout out to Taku. Mm -hmm. Taku Fried Chicken, owned by Shioda, who was the winner of Top Chef Seattle. I think that was the season that he won. Um, Yeah, round of applause. And that fried chicken, that Japanese fried chicken, was just everything. I didn't know.
1: I I never thought of Seattle as like a... Like, how can I say this? I no, you say it exactly Seattle how you say it. It's <laughs> a food city. Like, never, like, most people consider New Orleans a really food city. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the food here has been impeccable. So
1: good. And, and I've, I've always heard of Seattle as like a fish city. Seafood city, and we already covered that if,
0: Yes, if you did not listen to the last episode, Rooster does not do fish. No. And I don't know how we're still friends.
1: But I have not missed a beat. Fo, the faux, <laughs> um, there's an amazing Indian restaurant. Like so much different. It's, it's a very, very diverse uh, food, gastro culture here. Mm-hmm. So I was very pleasantly pleased about that. And uh, a lot of local mom and pop, everything.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, so it was, it was a great little city to kind of check out. Welcoming to the pod.
0: That's right. Joining us here on the pod is Truly Vane, my husband Truly, mm-hmm. who is attending AWP for the first time this year. Yes. Uh, for the Saturdays... Uh, saturday events only but also all the off events how has your uh, first awp dip in the toes in the awp fountain been for you
2: it was wonderful i think everybody should um do it the way i did it this year come for all the off events have fun explore the city that is hosting it and go to the saturday you became a first. travel agent very fast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know this person. Yeah. What
0: is this? This is not standard, truly vain. Well, this yeah, is, this is
2: just honest. This is honest. Well, you <laughs> are.
1: I've had a great time. You are a fluid artist. And we talked about this with some people earlier. You're an artist of many different walks. And so yeah. I guess it was just interesting. I want to know from like someone who doesn't really, really always get down with the literary shit to see this sort of cult of writers. Like... Was it fascinating? What were some takeaways? What was a moment that stood out for you?
2: I think the moment that stood out the most was the 1st um, offsite event where I got to see this collection of writers and feel the condensed energy in a packed space. <laughs> um, and that was very overwhelming, but also very, it wasn't overwhelming, like anxi- anxiety-inducing um, Sensation. it was overwhelming joy. It was overwhelming hope and, like, understanding, oh, there are people still out there writing regardless of podcasting taking off, regardless of, you know, reality shows. And, you know, all the other mediums of storytelling, there are still writers with enthusiasm. So that was a wonderful reassurance that I got. And then that just kind of fed the energy through the rest of the week, um, understanding, like... People are tired, but nobody's energy has wavered. There's still so much enthusiasm going on with shaking hands and, you know, learning each other's faces with, and matching the face to the work that you've read. So that's all been a full circle thing. Um, and the inspiration, right? Like, I feel like it's contagious, and I want to go take it home and... <laughs> write some shit. <laughs> write some shit, yeah. Finish my goddamn script. Yes, finish my shit i
1: also feel like this is one of the few large-scale conferences or national events and maybe i don't know because like i don't partake in everything but like it's one of the least toxic if that makes sense Mm. because most of time not
0: according to twitter i (laughs) I mean look twitter is always going to
2: find something to complain about Mm -hmm. you know if you you are out there listening to me twitter y'all always got something to say
0: yeah they're
1: coming for us
0: now. I know. We are about to get r- real canceled. <laughs> no, and and that's the right, thing like all I this think is there's, be there's I think like, there's there's a way to it is it a perfect experience for everybody involved? Absolutely not, right? And so there's a way to definitely like air grievances about here where the experience fell flat, you know, or fell short of meeting everyone's needs without just saying the entire conference is trash. Mm-hmm. Which is where some things that I saw on Twitter were leaning towards of, like, all of AWP is a complete failure because X, Y, Z. And it's like, well, is it? Although, like... Yes, point out where we can, where the, where we, I have, I do not organize AWP. We have nothing to do with it. We just (laughs) attend, okay? Let's be real clear. Uh, Point out where the conference can continue to evolve and get better and the blind spots that are there without,
2: you know, canceling the entire thing. I think every experience needs to be taken with, like, nothing is going to be perfect. Mm -hmm. And there are certain losses you're going to have to cut to experience something especially if you're traveling from out of town.
1: Far and wide. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where it's like it's half opportunity, half artist collective, mm-hmm. and that complicates a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Because similar to what you were saying, you have to also just let organizers organize something and then we populate the space with whatever it is mm-hmm. that we bring. And there's only so much like that, that the organizers of something have control of. So if there's things you didn't like, or things that were missing, or whatever, it's like, well, they, like you're saying, blind spots, things that they would try to have done had like the individuals who found those loopholes or found those issues brought to their attention, but you know, the people who put the thing together are the people who put the thing together.
2: And if they weren't, then it wouldn't exist. And state of mind, you know, like the same, evening that i was having this overwhelming wonderful inspiration the first night somebody else in the exact same room could have been having anxiety because it was too crowded Mm -hmm. so it is a perspective state of mind you know hopping off the plane getting all frazzled dropping your stuff off and then going to a crowded event could make it a bad experience Mm -hmm. and you just got to account for travel days yep
0: and that's goes back to what I was saying earlier, where it's a choose-your-own-adventure sort of thing and uh, give yourself permission to bow out when you need to bow out. But ultimately, you feel like you're walking away from this experience and having gained something, garnered something.
2: Oh, yeah. I think I did it right for a first-time <laughs> experience. Um, I am not as tired as other people. I am not as overloaded with information. I have experienced Seattle in a slightly touristy perspective. so pictures of, you know, beautiful buildings, uh, graffiti art, you know, talked to some of the people all around town, right? Like I, a fantastic new hat. Fantastic new hat. You and know, I'm having a great time <laughs> and
0: not as tired as everybody else. Yeah, I've had a great time at the conference, honestly. And if if we're being completely transparent, most of the panels that I've actually sat through from start to finish have been queer panels. Mm-hmm. The queer events are where it's been at this, this year. Uh, the future of queer publishing is strong, mm-hmm. is how we felt. Uh, the, we kicked off the week with a reading at a queer bar called Queer Bar in which they put a hundred of us queer poets packed into a tiny room to yell our poetry at each other because we had no microphone Mm -hmm. and it was a magical experience sometimes without a mic it is a better experience Mm -hmm. it was a great uh, place we like held space for each other is how it felt and like a lot of us kind of sort of knew each other and a lot of people were brand new to each other and we had some really solid poetry names in the room Chen Chen was there Benjamin Garcia was there among others Uh, and uh And then we went down for a drag slash burlesque show uh, immediately afterwards, and that just felt like the right way to start Seattle.
1: And then tomorrow we're off again. And And then you're going to
0: Atlanta? Then I'm going to Atlanta, yeah. Our flight leaves at, we have to be at the airport at five in the morning. So, and especially because it's daylight savings time, we're gonna lose an hour. So we might just stay up all night. Let's switch some gears. Okay. Do we meet daylight savings? No, a complete crock. A waste of, of waste of good space. Right. What do you mean? I just lose an hour? Right. I
1: feel like it was a scam. It was always a scam. We're in the pocket of big uh, citizen or whoever makes watches. Uh huh. And uh, nope, not
0: a fan. I know I heard like an entire report on Daylight Savings Time and like where it came from and why we have it and who really benefits from it. You know, kind of like how Valentine's Day was just invented by the chocolate companies. Uh, I I forget who it is that benefits from Daylight Savings Time. It used to be an agricultural thing, but now the way agriculture is, there's no need for it. Is America the only country that still does it? No, I think there's
1: others who do, but they're all starting to phase it out. Well, there's certain states that don't even recognize it. Like I think in Arizona, mm-hmm. like they don't recognize daylight saving time. Okay. It's
0: like, yes, yeah, good that's good correct. For
1: good for you, Arizona.
0: Yes, that's correct. And I have a lot of family in Mexico, so whenever this happens, even though we're in the same time zone, we're at different times, and that's confusing. You know who is in favor of Daylight Savings Time and has been looking forward to this time of year for the longest time? Who's that? My dog, Cookie. Oh, yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah. My dogs do not understand Daylight Savings Time. So when they're ready to eat at 5 p.m., it's no longer 5 p.m. yes anymore. Now it's like 4 p.m. They're like, what's going on? Why it, am I not
0: Yeah. They're like, but it's time. My biological clock says it's time, and we're like, well, I don't know. The U.S. government says it's not. Sorry, yeah. dinner time's not happening yet. So
1: yeah, and then you just gotta
0: stare until they're sad because <laughs> they don't understand it. Uh, should we adjust to our dogs' biological clocks then? I think we should. We gotta get
1: more in tune with nature. I think, and nature doesn't recognize daylight saving
0: time. Huh? No, no, not at all. Nature just keeps on going. I sat on this really great panel a queer panel about about nature and eco-poets. And this idea of human species and non-human species and how nature is part of the non-human species category and how we don't see nature as a living, thriving thing. And that's why we just pave over it with all these amazing sky rises that we are currently surrounded by. And I appreciate... I want to say I appreciate... Seattle's attempt to merge the non-human species of nature with the human species that is these sky rises. Because there's lots of trees, I feel like I've seen lots of creatures I look out and see the mountains there thriving, just being mountains.
1: Yeah, I mean more cities would benefit, I know San Antonio would benefit if we decided
0: to move to a more eco-friendly plant-based I don't know, San Antonio is one of the greener cities I've lived in. Like, when you take those, like, giant overpasses that oversee the city, you just see trees. You don't see buildings.
1: Yeah, I just think in, like, the lower-income areas, uh, you, it's mostly just asphalt.
0: No, but wait, speaking of San Antonio, because I just learned— This is not current events, but I just learned about this this week. Apparently, San Antonio has a law yes. where you cannot build a building that casts a shadow on the Alamo. Very true? How? Why? I mean, I think I know the why, but like, those, that is the standard of measurement. It is shadow casting that has prevented sky rise, high, high rises in downtown Sh- San Antonio.
1: It's interesting what they will fight to prevent erasure of <laughs>
0: versus,
1: you know, not fight. Um, Yeah, it's been that law since forever. I, as far as I know, like, which is also awesome because, in a way, now that you know that, doesn't it make Ozzy Osbourne pissing on the Alamo
0: <laughs> is that much more cool? That much more rock and roll. Yes, oh, yeah. I mean that he was banned for ten years and he came back and rocked the fuck out. Yeah, Prince of Darkness, man. But no, uh,
1: I like, yeah, it's it's one of those unique laws that we have there in San Antonio's whole. I guess this does go into to current events. Now there's a huge uh, eminent domain fight happening downtown. Uh, Do you know the bar, Moses Roses? No. Okay, so Moses Roses is a really, really, like, nice bar downtown, uh, locally owned, play music venue, things like that, and it's very, very close to the Alamo, and right now they have proposed this whole new sweeping change of the Alamo uh, to be more tourist-friendly. They're Uh going to have things like interactive uh, uh, walkways with history of Davy Crockett and and Santa oh. and all that. Uh, so they're buying a bunch of the property up, and Moses Roses is the last, uh, like,
0: locally owned
1: there that they need, <clears throat> and the owner doesn't want to sell. So now the city has taken steps to use eminent domain to take it from him. And it's like, well, that doesn't seem very. <laughs> patriotic in the, or the, democratic, yeah, in the way of, of the Alamo.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and it's turning into this huge fight because I, I think, especially with a city like San Antonio, I haven't really noticed it here in Seattle, but like gentrification is definitely starting to take root uh-huh. more and more in San Antonio. And I'm always worried, especially like in my neighborhood, like how much things are changing s- slowly, but yeah. It, only takes one chick-fil-a and
0: the next thing. You know, it's, it's yeah we, we welcome little Caesars oh, yeah. but not chick-fil-a no. to me the Alamo the Riverwalk all of that to San Antonio is what South by Southwest is to Austin mm-hmm. people that live there just hate it you know? yeah. and it's like why are we making this big thing and it's actually ruining it for the rest of us that are here like 24/7 365. And taken away from what makes, I think that's one of the beautiful things about San Antonio is that there's so much mom and pop, so much local, so much like just pop up uh, spaces that have been there for a while. There are these kind of institutions and then to see them being taken over by tourism, by. Especially tourism yeah yeah like we need more hotels in downtown San Antonio and then wait did you see that article about how Elon Musk wants to build a like lightning rail between the San Antonio Airport and downtown San Antonio yeah like how many people how many rich assholes are flying into San Antonio that need a lightning rail so that instead of taking 20 minutes to downtown it takes you two minutes
1: well san antonio i think is one of those cities right now whenever we talk about cities on the rise a lot of times they're cities that have already kind of broken through a little bit so like your san diego's like uh i know austin was kind of like that yeah for a stretch but i think the problem with a city like austin is that they just don't have room for the growth that they're trying to Uh do so every
0: and plus they have one highway, and they have <laughs> to build another. They have a highway, a toll road, and two Mopak. loops. Yeah, and Mopac. In uh-huh.
1: and so it just it doesn't fit like the growth that they're projecting. And San Antonio is one of those few cities that has the space, it has the mm-hmm. room, and it has a downtown that can grow and build up and things like that. And I think like right now, specifically, it's just primed for growth and expansion but also prime for exploitation Mm -hmm. and that's where it gets dicey and tricky
0: because uh one of san antonio's best kept secrets is how affordable it is to live there and people are flocking i might edit that out so that nobody knows Uh. (laughs) especially with remote work now being what it is like people can move to san antonio they can
1: work from denver they can work from Mm -hmm. austin or they can work from round rock and not have to Worry about those Round Rock and Austin prices. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, the money's going long. Same with cities like Houston. I mean, like, Houston's so congested. Like, I love Houston. Mm -hmm. But, like, how much more can it
0: really grow? You are more than welcome to move to New Braunfels. Yeah. To Green. Sure. To Fredericksburg. Yeah. (laughs) Move south. Go to Del Rio. Yeah. Natalia. Really great farmlands down there. Great. Pleasanton, all that. What we're trying to say is we we love you in San Antonio. but, But don't come here and try and change it.
1: Because the tourists, I think, when your city becomes a playground for tourists, it loses so much of what made mm-hmm. it cool in the first place. Mm-hmm. And like Austin, I mean, when was the last time you went to Austin?
0: Uh, I mean, I've been there recently, and every time I go, I'm like, I hate it here.
1: Yeah, I'm just more disappointed. Yeah. yeah and the Austinites that I know, like shout out to y'all who still live there, like, I pray for y'all all the time. <laughs> because all I keep hearing
0: is like, Jesus Christ, it's just getting worse and worse and
1: worse. Yeah. And like, I hear that.
0: So I want to talk about, on that same vein, we recently sold out to capitalism and took a cruise Mm -hmm. down to um, Cozumel and Costa Maya down in Mexico. And we took a nice little tour of the Mayan ruins and the cenotes and all that jazz and our, our tour guide was actually incredible and shared with us, you know, like Mexico really boomed economically when they started to exploit their sites, their culture via tourism. Mm -hmm. Tourism is I think the number two um, economical, yeah, yeah, stimulus of the country outside of I think oil might be number one, right? And to see what that does to the people of the area, the, you know, you can see the two sides of it where one, it's like, oh, we're making more money, we're now able to afford nicer houses or whatever, but then also we start to succumb to the will of capitalism and then like, oh, well, it's alright if we like tear down all these ruins so that we can build a train that's just going to bring more tourists and uh, fuck nature because tourism. Or and you worse, you get into a seasonal pattern of mm-hmm. tourism because one of the good things. Well, not answer. in not in Mexico.
1: Not in Mexico. No, no. <laughs> Mexico doesn't have that problem.
0: Yeah. But like in
1: other places, when when you start succumbing to the whim of tourists, like and especially with seasonal,
0: is it's just like you make a lot of money when they're there, and then as soon as it's gone, it's like poverty. Yeah. And like it just becomes these two extremes. Yeah. And the thing is, you can't necessarily argue with someone. I'm going to use the Mexico example who literally says because of tourism I can now feed my family mm-hmm. because before that I could not. Right. But now I have this small little aguas frescas shop and year round I make enough money so that I can put food on the table. I can't be mad at that. No. You know, but the other side of that coin is we're just going to tear down the rainforest because tourism.
1: So this was something That was interesting, but also, let me kind of backtrack. Okay. Before I really knew you, right? And I remember when you were coming to San Antonio, and you are like, hey, San Antonio poets, my name's Chibi. I have Laredo Border Slam. Come see us. Mm -hmm. We need you. I had no idea about Laredo except from, like, Narcos. (laughs) So I'll never forget, like, going and being like, damn. Like, are we safe? I think we're safe. Like, it would be cool. Like, Chibi wouldn't invite us if we weren't in the middle of Narco. That'd be crazy. But maybe that's where poetry needed to be. So I don't know So I was like, cool, let's go find out. And then it was like, oh, look, your house is nice and everything's cool. Like, it's wonderful. Um, So all of that is to say that uh, recently in the news, there were these four American tourists in Mexico Mm -hmm. who got kidnapped, two of them murdered, one of them wounded, and then one of them alive. Mm -hmm. uh, Because they were mistaken mistaken, by the cartels as being like Haitian drug dealers. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, they were really just there for the cosmetic surgery.
0: Yes, as many people do. Yes cross the border for cheap cosmetic surgery.
1: Absolutely. So it was this weird cross of miscommunication, miss everything. So unfortunately, there were two two lives lost in that. But the cartel has since captured the guilty assailants and turned them in with an apology letter. The Mexico Gulf Cartel apologizes. It turns in members uh, who kidnapped the Americans. They said, quote, uh, these alleged members responsible acted against the rules and that they, quote, respect the life, tranquility, and integrity of the innocent, end quote. That was from We Are Me Do. So look at the (laughs) cartels having standards. Uh
0: Well, and when they say innocent, they mean American. Exactly. Because Because they don't want that. Yeah, they don't want it to be like the 80s. Yeah, that's, that's been the, the giant backlash over this, is the Mexican people being like, they would never do that if it was for Mexi- innocent Mexican folks that just got caught in the crosshairs of it. Uh, it, it. It's this, like you said, they don't want to, it doesn't want to go back to the 80s. They're like, we don't fucks with Americans. Uh, they, are, they are welcome here because tourism, because capitalism, because they understand how it benefits them.
1: And because American money that buys drugs. Well, whenever we talk about the drug war, we never talk about who the largest buyers of drugs are.
0: Now, if we were to model ourselves more like Seattle and allow drugs to be legalized, regulated, and, and capitalized, right? Uh, um, America speaks capitalism. Yeah. Let's allow all the drugs to just be part of the capitalist society and then we can talk about all the problems with that after that. But that, that's one way. You know, Texas, Texas likes to talk about the drug war that it's constantly facing and it's like, well, we could stop the inflow of some of these drugs if we just de- legalize them.
1: And it's interesting, hmm.
0: being in tech from Texas and, and so. There was
1: also an uh, article I read where Chief McManus of San Antonio, the chief of police, uh, recently had like a town hall, mm-hmm. and he was uh, talking to this neighborhood of like 100, 200 people, and they were saying how unsafe they feel, and there's this r- rise of crime, and this, this rise of violence that's currently happening in the city, and what's the cause of it, and it was interesting because Chief McManus was like, oh yeah, you can really tie a lot of this to Greg Abbott's open carry law. In Texas mm-hmm. and how now most domestic disputes most personal disputes all of this is just getting handled with gun violence and so we have it's this weird fascinating thing with the liberties that we have versus the consequences of <laughs> and what we actually fight for where like yeah you legalize drugs there's benefits to it there's uh, economics to be you know diverted spread throughout communities um, taxation, regulation, all that.
0: I think we have in enough states that have that have tried, tested, and modeled how we can absolutely move forward in this endeavor to de- step one decriminalize and step two legalize a lot of these drugs. You know, I think we're specifically talking about uh, cannabis, but also psilocybin and other kinds of medicinal hallucinogens that. Uh, do a lot less harm than, say, alcohol or tobacco. Absolutely. So, we're here for it. And now we're transitioning, now now we're transitioning, because now we're gonna talk about the reals, because you saw that on Instagram, uh, Instagram blew up yesterday over something that we saw, and we gonna talk about it. So here we go. How much for a gram, people? How
1: much for a gram can I get a gram for
0: the people? Yeah. Seattle will tell you exactly how much for a gram. It was. Uh, I want to tell you, distilleries are nice. I I am here for them. I'm not an avid smoker or a regular smoker or partaker. Not like i was in my younger years uh now usually it's like oh i'm gonna watch a movie and go to bed that sounds like the perfect time to take a couple puffs but i appreciate the streamlined efficiency clearness and also the knowledge at distilleries like when you go to a distillery these people dispensary dispensary. sorry that's the third tequila shot Uh, when you go to a dispensary these people know exactly what is in each thing, and how it affects you how, and the, the proportions of it, and what I'm the like, the rest of your day is gonna look yes. like, what your future's gonna look like. Yes, and the mixture, and how that mixture settles into your own body chemistry, I'm here for it, you know, so. What um,
1: food to eat with it, so that, you know, for the ultimate experience. Yeah, yeah.
0: but that is not what we saw on Instagram this week. No. Instagram almost broke the internet, because we saw photographic evidence. It's official. Of Benito, Bad Bunny, What's his last whatever name? his last name is. <laughs> Ortiz? No. I don't know. I don't know why. We I... should know this. <laughs> <laughs> Benito Bad Bunny, whatever his last name is, meeting lips to lips mm-hmm. with Kendall Jenner.
1: Yeah. Did it break your heart?
0: I, like we talked about the monarchy a few episodes ago, I honestly don't care. Ocasio. Ocasio, Benito, Bad Bunny, Ocasio has met lips to lips with Kendall Jenner. Well, the one Kendall Jenner. My heart, uh, I'm indifferent because I don't care about the personal lives of celebrities, but does it feel like a betrayal? You know, like to to take it back to to the uh, panel that we were just at. The moment that you saw that on Instagram, how did that make you feel?
1: I laughed. And laughed because of course Matt Bunny is gonna get with Kendall Jenner. That's
0: the smartest move like in his career. Here. That's the is it? Does he need to? Yeah. Is he not the, the hottest artist in the world right really? now? Like see, here's the
1: re re move, okay? <laughs> R- if re-re has taught us anything, it's that you need to make money from other things than the thing that started making you. Sure. And I could I think Bad Bunny might be the first true breakthrough Latino artist who starts having clothing lines or the other things that genuinely just get grand popularity mm-hmm. in America. Because mm-hmm. he's already dominated most of the world. Sure. Uh So I could see, like, the connection there. Because what does Kendall Kendall Jenner do except for sell products Mm -hmm. on that front? So I was like, you know, that totally makes sense to me on on a business level. Okay. On a love level, I feel like Benito owes all the beautiful women of Puerto Rico, Mexico, Colombia, (laughs) Brazil, Latin America an
0: apology. Uh (laughs) But, you know... I mean, he's talked, he's talked about in his songs how he has women in every country. Yeah. So, does he owe them an apology, or has he already served them as he wanted to serve them?
1: Fair. I mean, so this is what's interesting. Who is Bad Bunny right now? The, not right now. Actually, historically, the biggest Latin American artist or like almost on a precipice.
0: Uh, no, I would, I, I arguably would say he's the biggest Latin American artist globally. Uh-huh. Uh, you can, this is quantifiable. Yeah. This is quantifiable Big based off of, you know, downloads, record sales, all of that. Like this is measurable. Mm-hmm. And he is. Fuga
1: Shakira, shout out to Shakira. Shout out to Shakira. She broke a a bunch of Guinness World Records with her recent songs.
0: Did she? Yeah, yeah. Is that what was happening on my Instagram this morning? I opened it up, and it was just Shakira shaking in my face, and I was like, it is 7 o'clock in the morning. I can't handle that. Yeah.
1: No, okay. I woke up, I saw the same thing, I was like, hey, Shakira, Shakira. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, I." It, so let's say, let's, let's talk about this. So in 99, 2000, we had the first Latin invasion. Mm-hmm. Ricky Martin, Enrique Iglesias, Jennifer Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, what the fuck is his name and I'm sorry, President and I always forget his fucking name. But the I need to know, guy. Americano.
0: I need to know. Tell me, babe. Yeah. Mark. Mark Antonio. Mark Anthony. Mark. Mark. Oh, I wanted. To say, I wanted to say Marco Antonio. Yeah, like Mark like, Anthony. Yes. And I feel like now we're in this other, like,
1: secondary wave with. It's mostly bad money, but now you got like the Becky G's. You got. Um,
0: I mean, J Balvin, J Balvin is there. Yes. And this is a different kind of way, because that wave felt to me like it it was Mexican-American or American... uh, Puerto Rican. American of Latin descent sort of artist. This is straight-up music from the islands. These are people from the islands. This is reggaeton. This is musica urbana, as it is called, that is deeply rooted in the culture, tradition, and sound of where it's coming from versus that kind of like Latin invasion was an Americanized version of Latin music.
1: It was like Latin, Latin as an idea, the same way like coffee store jazz is uh, an idea. Uh
0: huh. Like that's how it was. It it was Latin as in my last name is Lopez, but I'm uh, very American. I don't
1: give a fuck how you slice it. She bangs that Ricky Martin song uh-huh. is. The least Latin
2: thing <laughs> he's ever made, My best uh-huh.
1: like, song was ass. <laughs> um, and there was a lot of ass songs. I think I Need to Know was an ass song. I'll say it. There was a lot of music from that time. I, I still think Enrique was probably the best thing out of that first wave.
0: And that's where I think these uh, these artists that are coming out, J, J Balvin, Bad Bunny, etc., Becky G are really like just staying true to like who they are and where they came from, and it is breaking through without them having to change their sounds in order to break through, which makes. uh,
1: uh, Verónica Medrano, Medrano, Mm -hmm. local artist, piano singer. Mm -hmm. Doing a lot of good shit. You know no, who was similar.
0: You know who recently released an album that I uh, am living for is Natalia Lafourcade. Oh fuck yeah! Uh, and uh, one of the things that I loved about her kind of like journey and trajectory is like she made this like Latin pop album and mm-hmm. then she was like, but I'm gonna go back to folk music now, mm-hmm. and 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 the music traditionally of my regions. And then her latest album is is just uh, it's not covers; it's originals that are all in that same vein, and it is gorgeous and it is beautiful, and more people need to need to know about her.
1: Yeah, Veronica Madrano. I think, yeah, shout out to her. She's on Instagram, follow her.
0: Uh, you know who's not up and coming and established is Kendall Jenner. What is happening here? Uh, <laughs> I think, well,
1: here's the thing. Do you believe in the Kardashian curse?
0: I don't know what that is. So
1: this was mostly tied to Kim. Okay. But the thing was, first it was Reggie Bush who was a very elite NFL grade running back career just kind of
0: mm,
1: uh-huh. after then she got with chris humphries a professional basketball player uh was on the rise with the new york knicks uh great rebounder kind of a, a pivotal central piece of their team they that she married him okay and then it just pff, he, he just was gone <laughs> um, kanye lamar odom with uh chloe i think uh-huh i'm so mad that i know these things
0: like, you're literally saying names that i've never heard before in my life i
1: know from like where like not the kardashian side of it i know it from like the sports side or the whatever
0: uh-huh. side
1: of it. uh and then with kendall kendall she was with Devin booker of the phoenix suns okay an up-and-coming star in his own right who's still doing good maintaining uh... hit little rough patches at blake griffin uh-huh. another amazing dunker. then he gets hurt so there's this talk about like it's a kardashian curse you get with a kardashian you end up on crack you end up hurt, <laughs> you end up injured
0: bipolar you in. yeah your, your
1: whole <laughs> life goes to shit so like is Kendall in, in that same curse? Or was
0: family? it just a one night stand?
1: I don't think that's... Uh, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, see this is my theory I think with, with Bad Bunny I think what you're going to end up with is like a whole Kendall Jenner line of like all of a sudden Latin
0: flair. Like oh, no. Makeup or
1: something. No. Like, I think he's going to ruin her life because it doesn't. <laughs> see, this is the problem with like, I think American dudes versus foreign
0: dudes. Uh huh.
1: When chicks get with foreign dudes, they don't realize, like, yeah, no, like, like I'll wipe my hand clean of you. I'm not going to ruin my, like, great fortune on your ass. Uh huh. And so, like, she's going to have sleepless nights over it. And waste a lot of money
0: trying to. Keep she's gonna go to again. she's gonna go to Chris and be like, Mama, SK es que me ama exactly. me boy ir con bad bunny <laughs> me amo bad bunny me amo bonito <laughs>
1: and it's not gonna work this time. It's, it's just he's gonna be like, Hey, it's
0: gonna know. backfire. Yeah. Was this photo? Do you think this photo was planted? Is this staged? He, I
1: couldn't say i want to think i would have to think about it i uh, we, you bring up a good question i think it's a great question i think it's something to consider because i think we also live in this weird media narrative era where now that's what people tend to believe a mm-hmm. lot of times like oh they're together and that means something or they're it's a plant and that means something maybe they just both were at the same bar they played a lot of his music she's mm-hmm. like like that's that crucial age in life where he's like I need to stop messing with like the dudes with neck tats and you know what I mean and <laughs> who has drug problems. And now I need to like get with someone who's like you know getting more established. Mm-hmm. She heard his music that night.
0: I she mean, didn't understand a lick of it. He did say that he was going to take a break from making music, I think you know, weird. and a break from touring. He makes a lot of music. Yeah, There's yeah, he's released about that, so like. much music in the past, just like two, three years. That he was like, yeah, I'm going to just take a seat back, I'm going to relax, I'm going to enjoy my life, and apparently enjoy Kendall Jenner also.
1: Yeah, live your life, Benito, you are it.
0: I don't judge. We don't kink shame in this house. Nah.
1: And I think, in my opinion, I think if they break up and he takes it harsh, or he breaks up with her and she takes it harsh, the next album is going to be Five.
0: <laughs> Summer 2024 We just had un verano sin ti Now we, we will have un invierno sin ti Yeah, yeah, I'm with it Or Or It's gonna be a real thing And it's just gonna fill him with so much love That we're gonna have un invierno contigo
1: Or this is the, the album where he does the American crossover like Selena did.
0: Aha. Uh-huh. That's, that's in the work. Because Benito is dreaming of you, that's Kendall right. Jenner. That's right. <laughs> I, I know this. going down in the DMS all right this is the perfect transition into our new segment uh, called it's going down in the DMS and you can be in our DMS if you'd like to Uh, let's find out what's going down in the DMS this week
1: I had two questions in the DM asking uh, listeners to the pod and one of them directly relates to AWP one of the things was literary whiteness and the politics of pretension oh Uh, oh yeah it's a big question that comes from Michelle Flores okay Uh, shout out to Michelle uh, an author in her own right from Florida. Mm-hmm. Shout out to Rain Dogs and their event out there. Mm-hmm. Jacksonville, what up? Gang gang. Ebony. Uh, Pain. Payne. Yes. Yeah. Moses. Uh, how do you feel about the whiteness of publication? Mm-hmm. AWP. Um, I'll say it like this: I have had experiences from the flight in mm-hmm. till you know now during the pod. Where a lot of times, or even a good example is the podcast uh, panel we went to, mm. where you had two white women and then a woman of color in the middle, who, in my opinion, had a lot more interesting things to say because her podcast it wasn't just a true crime podcast where it's like let's just look Wikipedia this and talk about it, but actually it was rooted in activism. It was rooted in like you know the legal system all these things, and I was really interested to hear more of what she said, but most of the time it felt like she was being spoken over mm-hmm. by the other women who were just being quirky podcast women. Mm-hmm. And it's not to say, it's not to blow anyone out or call, bring them to the carpet or anything like that, but I tend to see that a lot in these spaces where mm-hmm. there's a lot of times where, because we come from a brown bubble, mm-hmm. looking outwards sometimes <coughs> I'm like, damn, I forget how white and pretentious these spaces are.
0: Yeah. So from, because I was talking about this with somebody that came by the table earlier. From my perspective, I haven't experienced that, but because I purposely put myself in spaces that are more focused on black, brown, queer, indigenous, uh, uh, women, folks centric, right? And so I intentionally, That was honestly the the panels that I got the most out of, that I felt most lifted up by, is these panels that were a very diverse group of people all talking about one subject. Uh, Does that mean that literary whiteness is not still prevalent? No, that was actually of
1: publishing is still literary
0: white. That was a, I went to the Latinx caucus because my friend Rooster said, "No, the Latinx caucus is something you have to attend." And then my friend Rooster <laughs> bailed on me and I was left at the Latinx caucus without him. Right. But I went last night and that was actually a big uh, subject when we did breakout sessions. The big subject of our uh, group was a lot of us have just started publishing our friends because of literary whiteness and what feels like is these barriers that are put in place to where even if Presses are still publishing are, are publishing authors of color more and more and more The presses are still run by cis straight white men, right? That's who's it and the big Topic of conversation that sometimes gets overlooked in a lot of DEI trainings is the difference between diversity and inclusion. And there's been a huge push and a huge effort to diversify the literary landscape. But the difference for me, the way I explain the difference between diversity and inclusion, is diversity is who's in the room, inclusion is who's at the table. So they have now packed this room with all sorts of multitudes and intersectionalities, but sitting at the table is still a whole bunch of cis, straight, white men. Predominantly.
1: And... There's a part of me, because even walking through the, the, the book there, the thing that stuck out to me is I'm like, the majority of these publications are run by white people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not mad at that. Like, there's, It's fine, because like, they're all still finding their own niche. And like, that's whatever. But yeah. well, what I think is interesting is, is, like you were saying, it's like diversity versus inclusion. It's like, how much of your building upon... Uh, literature, on publication, on being a press that's prevalent in a literary world is just on like your magic, fairy, you know, Nordic mm-hmm. niche or whatever that mm-hmm. you are striving for mm-hmm. versus like where you have BIPOC and queer and trans authors who are, are fighting for,
0: mm.
1: against erasure, fighting for just an ear Mm. to listen to to what we're talking about. And it's like these night and day kind of conversations. It's apples and oranges. Mm. And I think you know because i was just i had the thought in my head i was like as i'm walking around i'm like if i was looking for a publisher who the fuck would i go to because
0: mm-hmm. i'm
1: like they're all the same
0: yeah and yeah. that's where what i've realized is the people that are having the bet the the best experiences with their publishers their editors and whatnot are at these smaller more independent presses that are run by women, that are run by trans folk, that are run by people of color, where in the editors and the publishers have had similar lived experiences or at least can speak the same language as their authors uh, versus being, I don't know, published by the big five where, where you know, you're going to be in the same publishing umbrella as right-wing conservatives, right? Or the
1: <laughs> matters too, because like, let's say you want to be published by a big publication like Iowa, they don't know shit about South Texas Latin Americans. Mm-hmm. You know, New Yorkers, LA, Chicago, like because of the internet, I feel like we're at this place where like now there's more s- the table's gotten larger mm-hmm. for more people to get an equitable uh microphone to to sort of <coughs> share say hey this is what we sell, this is what we write about, this is what we do, but that doesn't necessarily happen either because it's still very much uh clouded and folk and and, and fucked up um, by all these publishers that you're just like oh okay so it's still another white author or still a white publication Mm -hmm. and and liberalism too like that happens too where you have like these very well-meaning liberal like woke white people wanting to do the right thing Mm -hmm. and wanting to have diversity but it's like there you have people of color and, and trans people and queer people that are just The one author in your book or or in your anthology.
0: And I think the the flip side of that where something good comes of it is in how much tighter the communities become in authors of color, in queer authors, trans authors, like wherein we know that we have to rely on each other Uh, One uh, very pleasant surprise from this week was I ran into Susie Q. Smith. Uh, Susie, you're welcome on the pod anytime. Uh, Susie Q. Smith is an author and an educator out of Denver, Colorado. And one of the things that she is doing is actually putting together essentially like an an online database of publishers, publicists, graphic designers, editors, typesetters, copy editors, etc that are BIPOC, queer, women, so that if you are looking for the kind of experience where you want to work with people that share similar identities with you, here is a little resource for you to have it. Uh, And I don't want to lie to people because I do want to give out the right uh, information because I got Susie's card, love Susie, and want to promote this as much as possible. Um, TheWordForDiversity.org the word for diversity org uh go check that out and if you run a uh, a press a a podcast if you're a graphic designer if you do anything and you identify as such you know like go hit up suzy q smith and be like hey put me on your list because just follow suzy q. q smith in Don't general yeah yeah uh second question that went down in the dm okay came
1: from the homie chris
0: the homie chris is also aka baby baby, rooster
1: AKA baby rooster is the bagel slept on or is it appropriately rated
0: uh what is the babe what is the bagel rated though i love love the wide range of (laughs)
1: topics that go down in the dm
0: it's going down in the dm what what would you say the bagel is rated and which bagel are we talking about
1: okay i think the bagel is underrated okay because when we talk about you know what i think white bread is done we need to get basic toast the fuck
0: out of here Mm -hmm. why
1: are we still making sandwiches on white
0: bread when we have perfectly capable tortillas we
1: have everything out there's so many different ways to make a goddamn sandwich okay to wrap something up
0: so what i i think if you asked anyone from new york they would say the bagel is appropriately rated we celebrate the bagel yeah
1: they're in a bagel bubble Uh uh-huh i was similar to canada canadians i think Mm -hmm. they're up there I think here there's been some really good bagel spots that I've, I've seen, but not enough. Mm. Uh, but I, I am very pro bagel. I'm pro carbohydrates in general. In general, I, <clears throat> I do love a baguette. I think you, we need to do more with baguettes because like America just doesn't have that bread.
0: I don't. Like I the, mean, you have the
1: Italian loaf, you have the baguette, you have you know. What are we doing?
0: Don't 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 we have uh, sourdough? <laughs> or uh, what, it, one of my favorite types. That. One of my favorite types of bread starts with a C, uh, and it's not. Yeah, yeah. It's um, that
1: comes from France. <laughs>
0: uh, it is um, ciabatta. Ci- ciabatta uh, bread. Is that American? I don't American. know. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm a fan of ciabatta. ciabatta I'm I'm a fan of bagels. And let's put ciabatta in the forefront. Uh, I'm a fan of bagels. I I will almost eat any kind of sandwich that's on a ciabatta bread. Guess where it's from? Where is it from? Italy. Of course it is. With a name like ciabatta. You see,
1: we name our shit stupid like sourdough.
0: I mean, I have tortillas. I don't know. I don't know about I the know rest I mean, of y'all. <laughs> no, 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 like. But I think I think the bagel is is perfectly. I feel like the bagel sits in the right category. Like I don't think on a scale of like one to ten, I feel like the bagel sits at around like a seven point two, mm. and that feels appropriate to me. Too low. Is it the end all be all of all bready? Absolutely not, but it's definitely above average.
1: Is a croissant better than a bagel?
0: Absolutely, absolutely. By I, itself, I would say yes. Because I don't like dense. But you
1: can't put you can't fill a croissant with like. Food.
0: Yes you can.
1: Uh, it's, a, it's a bad idea. Ooh,
0: Burger King begs to differ. And it, yeah, <laughs> they, do it, they And that's
1: why they keep falling <laughs> behind.
0: Look, a, a breakfast croissant, croissant. A breakfast croissant. Yeah. With some ham, some cheese, a little bit of scrambled eggs in there. Mm-hmm. But as soon as you open a, a deli- I'm not
1: saying a croissant is bad. Croissants are amazing. A
0: wonderful buttery, flaky croissant. Yes, with almonds cooked cooked in or a chocolate
1: croissant. They're so delicate, but the second you open up a croissant to fill it with like meat and cheese and anything else. It's so good. No, it's too delicate to
0: hold these rough and rugged And it collapses.
1: Yeah, like a bagel is
0: sturdy. And see, that's why, that's why for me, so like a baguette is not... For me, baguettes yeah. go in French onion soups. For I sure, need man. them sogged the fuck down. Because sure. it's too dense, the outside is too harsh, the roof of my mouth is about to get scraped, and I'm gonna be miserable for three days. Okay, I'm learning a lot about you. Okay. I live
1: with that pain, and I just like, I, I, I tongue the wound <laughs> in my mouth, like, yeah, that baguette, this
0: is angry. I can't do it, I can't do it, don't like it, won't. Uh, but a bagel has the right amount of density, mm-hmm. you know, and especially if you toast it right, it's so good. Yeah. And you can But I don't bacon. but for me a bagel will always be half a bagel. I can't bagel sandwich. That's way too much density. That's a lot of bread. I
1: feel like it's just- it's like, this is
0: what we need Hammer. That's that's That's, the, that's a nebula of yeah. bread. Like it's, it's like it's, a nexus it's, of everything. Yes, it's a, it's a black hole of bread. It's everything, e- everywhere, all at once. Would agree with me, exactly. And that's why it was the metaphor for the black hole, because it's so dense in yes. such a tiny amount of space. That is great. That is great for a half a bagel, where you slice it in half, you put something on top of it, and you eat half bread, half whatever toppings you put on it.
1: I will give bagels a solid 8.5. There are better breads ahead of them, I would put a, I would put a croissant over a bagel.
0: Okay, but
1: I think bagels they're the industrial person's food. They're like I got somewhere to go,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like taco I love a taco, but damn they, you know, I think the problem with tacos is there's no taco coalition. <laughs> it's like watching over how white people are like because now white people do maps. Uh huh tacos, and, uh-huh. then, and, they, and they fall apart, I w- flimsy, I w-
0: thin. I would like to take this moment to shout out Benjamin Garcia's taco poem. Sure. In which he talks about how everything can be a taco. Yeah. yeah.
1: When I eat a lot of Greek food, I'm just like, this is their version of a taco, man. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's
0: great. A pita is just another
1: version of
0: a taco. It is. It's just, it's a little denser than I, see, I, I like soft, fluffy. Pillowy. pillowy or thin, yeah. um, utilitarian. Are you uh,
1: more uh, corn tortilla
0: or flour? It depends. It depends on what you're eating. Okay. You know? It yeah. That's right. it, it, because it does. Uh, it's like
1: vegetables. Don't. So you don't do
0: onions and cilantro? No, I'll, 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 I'll do some cilantro. Uh, I'll do a little bit of cilantro. Okay. Uh, onions, they have to be sauteed. Like, they need to be sauteed and also finely cut. I can't have a long, stringy onion like that. Mm-hmm. I will die. Okay. But um, sauteed and My diced pineapple. I, I have been able to get past the pineapple because it blends into everything else. Yes, it does. Delicious. And it deliciously. So I'm okay with that. Uh, and al pastor tacos should be on corn tortillas. Yes. Yeah. You know, barbacoa on the other hand. Flower it up, and and do not give me a big red with it. Anything else in the DMs? That was it, that was the DM,
1: shout out to uh, Michelle, shout out to
0: the homie Chris. Getting down in the DMs, but now let's transition into our final segment, which is looking forward, what are we looking forward to? Coming up in the next week. Off for break, so I get to go home and I get to take a week off. So shout out to that. Bam, 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 bam. I get to go home and fly to Atlanta. What am I looking forward to? The Oscars when I get back. We talked about it briefly. We uh, did. So we don't have to go into it. If you want to know how we feel about the Oscars and our predictions, they were on last week's episode. Um, and outside of that. There's really nothing else happening this week in my life but this conference, uh, which I'm really looking forward to. We're bringing together 75-plus... Queer techies from around the world. We got people flying in from Madrid to be here, okay. from London uh, for four days of leadership training and empowerment. And I have organized uh, the majority of it along with my boss, Gary. And our shout out to my intern here. Here, shouting out my intern because I love her. And uh, here. 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 Okay, shout out to here. Yeah. Here. Uh, uh, here, you are welcome on the pa- on the pod. Absolutely. Uh, here, who is graduating from Rutgers no, this year? New
1: Jersey
0: represents. Yes, yes, graduating from Rutgers. You didn't like uh, the,
1: the the what's it called the, the fucking spot across the of your face. I
0: did like it. Mm-hmm. it just wasn't
1: soft and it wasn't pillowy enough.
0: no it was too dense <laughs> i'm telling you it was too dense the soup hit the spot yeah because also it was fucking freezing when i went there yeah but the soup the soup hit the spot the sandwich itself was just too dense mm. so give me a dense zone. <laughs> love a good zone. and
1: then uh and maybe approximately two weeks what there might be another podcast on the network
0: Oh, that's right. We're, that's right. We're not going to give too much away no. because it's not going to happen next week because I will be out of town. But after that, which also means we're taking next week off, listeners, just so you know, Monday we're going to Austin for a day of action. We are marching on the Capitol. If we have any listeners that are in or near the Austin area, on Monday the 20th, we are marching on the Capitol in support of trans rights uh, in Texas. So please join us. I'm looking forward to that. And you know how you can find out if there will be a podcast next week? Wow. Subscribe to this podcast anywhere you get your podcast. Please subscribe; it really helps us get the word out. Uh, shout out to what it seems like is our about sixty listeners right now. We like y'all. We, we got sixty y'all. listeners. We love you. Please like and subscribe, share this podcast with your friends if you're having a great time or enjoying the conversation. And as always, you can send us more information, whatever you want us to talk about, after2tequilashots.com. Your question might be in, down in the DMs, getting down in the DMs, um, or just DM us. I mean, yeah. Yeah, if you want to find Rooster, where can you find Rooster?
1: Uh, you can find me on Instagram, Rooster, S-M-T-Z.
0: That was the deal, <laughs> that's right uh, and if you want to find me it's at Gemini's on Instagram G-E-M-I-N-E-Y-E-S or at Gemini's Poetry on Twitter because I have been shamed into how low my Twitter activity is so I apparently need to fix that uh, until next time people drink responsibly enjoy yourselves take care of yourselves take care of each other and we'll see you next time
1: it was-